On Second Shot, we cover two new stories every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And at the heart of every one of these stories are people, just like you and me, who've had to overcome incredible odds, to face the greatest challenges, to struggle and fight back. But now, we're changing it up. In these episodes, we're skipping the headlines and going straight to the people that inspire us to grow, to be bold, seek change, and act courageously when the rest of the world may not. A second look, a second chance, a second shot. This is Second Shot Sit-Downs with your host, Jenny Anchando. Well, hello, everybody. It is time for a second shot sit down um, with my friend Lori, you guys. Okay, so just let me just back it up for a second. You, we, We've been doing um, second shot classics with the team in the studio. We've been doing these sit downs, which are in-depth interviews. The idea being that like, I, I think that it can be so easy to get down on ourselves and just think, uh, I, you know, you made it 98% of the way, but you didn't know you were 98% of the way. So you quit and you never make it to 100. So I want to continually sort of infuse into the conversation for you. And honestly, selfishly for me, because I like hearing these stories to remind myself um, just to keep going. So my friend, Lori Taylor started the produce moms when um, this was back in 2012, you guys, I lived in Indianapolis. I was working for the Fox station and now this thing has blown up. It was like, oh, look at Lori and her cute blog. Well, now she's being recognized by Forbes. You will see um, national branding that says produce moms. I'm sure many of you follow them on Instagram and their social media sites and their cute little recipes. And so welcome in my friend, Lori. Good to have you, Lori. Jenny, thank you. And I'm convinced I'm one of the OGs of this uh, fan, the podcast fans. I have been listening to Second Shot for a very long time. Uh, Really, after I read his book was when I became a faithful, loyal listener. Uh, So I just hats off to all you've created here. It's amazing how your show has evolved and the way you've carried it with you and brought it to life and all these new ways in in Texas through, you know, what you're doing on television with the show and everything else. But um, truly just enjoy listening to this show. And it's a total thrill being a guest. Oh, thank you, Lori. That is so kind. You know, it was probably more than a year ago when you were in town and we were having so much fun. Um, I was meeting like your, your produce industry friends, like the avocado <laughs> people and you know, like the other people we went out, had way too Epic much meals always when oh, you get yeah, the food people meals. around the table. <laughs> it was so good. And we got to talking about your story now, you know, and it's funny because so, so often with the show, we're looking at like, you know, I don't know, celebrity type people with these second shots. And you forget that you have, we all have people in our own lives who have had these major second shots like what you have. So we're going to get into that. You guys, we got to figure out like, how did this go from, you know, her working for somebody to working for herself, one thing, and then, you know, how it kind of blew up. But first, just so people can kind of, I think this is a fun way to get to know people is just, I want you to tell me and tell the audience three people that you would like to meet. They have to be people who are alive because the point of this exercise is to kind of like put it out there. You never know, maybe they'll hear the podcast and be like, Lori rocked. I want to meet Lori too. So who are your top three? (laughs) Well, you know, they are rooted in resiliency and entrepreneurship. And I know pre-show we talked about who I thought were my three. I've actually had a change at this point. So (laughs) uh, first and foremost, Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx, hands down, like my female entrepreneur idol, you know, I look to, I love her story. I, it, it, you know, I can relate to it. The concept of her starting like with her red backpack and bootstrapping it and, and, and creating something that she identified as a void in her own personal life. Um, and then just, she's, so dynamic and so committed to mentorship and raising up women um, and solving problems that all women have through her product line. So huge fan of her. The other one I'm a, I recently with the shelter in place and more time at home, I was able to do things like watch more TV. Um, So (laughs) my husband and I enjoyed the queen's gambit on Netflix and obviously like 
millions of other people can agree with this. Well, the screenwriters for this show, they have an incredible story of resiliency. They were told no for decades that this, that this uh, concept makes no sense. People don't care about chess. No one's going to tune in. And you know, today the Queen's Gambit is one of the leading franchises potentially of all time, I think on Netflix, like unbelievable uh, success that that show has had. And uh, it literally was decades of pitching it and being told no before they got that yes from Netflix. So uh, obviously would love to sit down and meet with that entire screenwriting team, uh, the people who were in the room making those pitches. And the third is a woman who I just think is a, I mean, she's just a total boss, Becky Hammond. She's one of the first and most notorious female coaches in the NBA. And in December, she made history by being the first female that was actually the head coach of a game because she had to step in. Yeah. And she, she served as the head coach. So trailblazer, total trailblazer, um, widely respected among these, uh, you know, just fierce male athletes in the NBA. Um, talk about breaking glass ceilings, right? I mean, for sure. Unbelievable. Her, her storied career as an athlete and her, her success and, you know, as a professional basketball player, um, and now coaching in the, most iconic basketball league in the world, um, and coaching men at that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. When you said her name, I was like, how do I know that name? I'm like, oh yeah. I remember the day when she officially yeah, broke that glass ceiling. Um, so hopefully I think that you guys gives you a little bit of sense of what a powerhouse Lori is. And just like, that's, you know, that's who she looks up to are these really, really fierce people. So can you explain you, I mean, I don't, I'm like, I don't know, maybe I could explain it, but, but can you explain really what produce moms started as in 2012, what you were like, what you were doing, what your job was and how did it even come about? Yeah. Well, it's really pretty simple. It started as a free template WordPress blog. And the reason I pitched it to my former employers, I had transitioned um, to a leadership role at my company. I was a marketing manager at Indianapolis Fruit Company. They so We sold fruits and vegetables to over 18 states, uh, grocery stores and an 18 state delivery corridor. So you're talking about a multi hundred million dollar business um, selling fruits Eat and fruit veg- fresh. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, selling fresh produce. We had our own fleet. We were vertically integrated. You got to think about how many grocery stores exist in an 18 state region. We went as far North as Minnesota, as far South as Florida. Um, and kind of like, you know, that whole central silo, we didn't really get into the mid Atlantic and we didn't really get in much past like Missouri, but, um, that's a lot of grocery retail. So you're working as a, you're working in marketing, you yep. get a promotion and you say like, they asked me what my ideas were for the marketing, you know, position. And I was really well prepared because when I, by the time that door was finally open for me, where I was asked what my ideas were, I had really missed my job at the sales desk. And I kind of thought like, we're not doing anything in marketing. Like if I were in charge of this company, I would close the entire marketing department because none of this is really connecting with anyone. You know, you felt like people were just kind of churning, like spinning their wheels. Yeah. I mean, fruits and vegetables are a commoditized market. I mean, if they weren't, we would have higher brand recognition in this, in our product lines. Um, an apple is an apple to so many people. Now I know better, you know, but, and I'm on a quest to help people understand the differences in all these varieties, but we've got a very long way to go. And So when I was evaluating that and I had learned so much for 10 years, I sold fresh produce to over 300 grocery stores throughout the U S. And so when that time at the sales desk taught me like, wow, there is so much that even our own industry doesn't know people like me working in the supply chain, they don't know. And most definitely I had at the time become a mom. I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old when I transitioned to marketing and all my friends, you know, were in the same boat as me, you know, kids were starting to eat their first foods and moms have a ton of questions. People who are pregnant have a ton of questions. All of a sudden our nutrition becomes extremely more important when we become a mom. And I'm sure, yeah, any mom listening right now is nodding their head. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Do yes. as I say, not as I do half the time, but yeah. I know, but still like when you were yeah. pregnant, you were probably like, so like particular when you're breastfeeding, when you, you know, the foods that you were putting on your son or daughter's high chair, when they were starting to eat food for the first time, you were very, very particular. And when you think about it, our first foods, that journey begins in the produce department. We, that's the first foods we feed our children and we all need to do a better job eating more of them. But I was able to really identify a global gap in our global industry. Fruits and vegetables are everywhere, literally everywhere from the Dollar General store to Sam's Club. They are everywhere. And and there was no place in 2012 for me as a young mom or me as an industry professional to learn all about the entire produce department in one single digital destination. So you started the blog, so you started the blog, started doing media appearances. Yeah. Pitched um, it as part of my work for hire. Yeah. You was with me. (laughs) Hey, I will never forget that, Jenny. I believe we were on the, uh, Nora, the Nora store, the Nora Kroger in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we did a story about, I I don't know exactly what, but we were like shopping. I don't remember either. Like what was our focus? But, but you started pitching. Right. Like without, you didn't have like an agent or a PR company. You, you were the marketing person. So you pitched yourself saying, Hey, let me educate people on fruits and vegetables. Yeah. And you were, you were kind enough to guide me a lot with too, like help me understand like how to truly help reporters out, like what, how to frame up the pitches and, um, you know, how to make, how to make the story and the passion relevant to the local market. Um, and so I'm not sure, I, I think it was something about fruit and vegetable consumption. Uh, those data studies are published on an annual basis and, you know, still today, um, even with all that we know coming on the, you know, heels of the shelter in place with the pandemic and, you know, America's interest in immunity boosting being at an all time high, we still are at a point where less than 10% of Americans are eating the recommended amounts of fruits and vegetables on a daily basis. And, so that is, you know, I can, I can understand it. I mean, I can see how it could happen. Like a more startling statistic is less than two, um, I'm sorry, 2% of teenagers, not less than 2% of teenagers are eating the rec- recommended amounts of fruits and vegetables. So that means 98% of teens in America are not eating the recommended amounts of produce on a daily basis. And you hate to hear that kind of stat, but then you really think about the lifestyles and you think about, you know, like how, how teens live their life and how they socialize. And then you're like, oh yeah, I can totally see how that happens. I can totally see it. So you realize there was a space for this. There was a need for it. There's available in America, there's available fruits and vegetables to people um, from all walks of life. You know, 100%. You know that, that's, that's an availability for most people. So you start this project and, and how long, well, I want to get to the point where you decide, I want this to be my Lori's produce mom as well Indianapolis fruits produce really you know Jenny it really wasn't my idea I kind of thought I would just retire right there in that cubicle on Massachusetts Avenue and yeah yeah. (laughs) so uh it was so 2012 the blog went live with the support of my former employer as part of my work for hire as the marketing manager I pitched it as hey we're the full service supplier for the produce department we can now you know it's within scope of what we deliver and do to be full service for consumers like here's everything you need to know about the produce department for three years we built it together we commercialized the effort Uh, we brought in sponsors or we would promote like the jazz apple in exchange for jazz apple giving our procurement team three dollars off a case well that adds up a lot when you're selling millions of dollars of produce every single week so um so that's how we monetized it built it for three years together it was 2015 so you're monetizing it based on getting discounts from different brands that you're working with, right? Or just straight up investments, like sponsors. Okay. Like they okay. would say, okay, yeah, or- we will, we'll do a $5,000 campaign with the produce moms in exchange for blogs, social media posts, you know, et cetera. So, um, there's a value to media and there's certainly a value to content creation. Um, sure. it's, you know, so that's, that's how we were able to monetize it. And it was self-sustaining and that it paid for my, the revenues that we brought in through the produce moms paid for my salary. It paid for the small amount of support that we outsourced or brought in house. Um, and that was about it. Like for a big corporation, 
it was not adding to capital gains. Um, so when I look back on it, I can see why this Friday meeting occurred, but it was Friday in, in April, um, of 2000, 2015. Okay. So you're and, yep. And it was the CFO and my direct boss. I, I reported to the executive vice president of sales and marketing and, so those two invited me to lunch and I knew something was up. I told my husband when I was leaving for work, I was like, I think I'm getting fired today. And he was like, no, you're not getting fired. You have too many great relationships with their vendors. Like, and I was like, something's up. He's like, yes, yeah, something is definitely up. If they're taking you off site, telling you to bring your computer on a Friday, like that's not good. And uh, so, <laughs> so we go to the, we go to mesh on mass, uh, in downtown Indianapolis. Mesh. I know I used to really it love it. And now I just kind of, I just, yes, I, yeah, think so. I, okay. I still, I just associate it with this moment. Okay. So when people are like, let's go to mesh, I'm like, let's not. But, um, so we go to mesh and, um, sit down and they, you know, we order and they just kind of like shoot the breeze, small talk. And I'm, and finally, I'm like, can we just like, let's, why am I here? You know? And Greg, who's the CFO, who I have a great relationship. I have a great relationship with all these people. I'll get to that in a minute too. But Greg said to me, we think that what you're doing with the produce moms is incredible. Um, however, and I knew that was coming. I knew there was a, however, or a but uh -huh. however, Indianapolis Fruit Company is done with the produce moms. And I just started crying. I didn't want to cry. I had to always be tough in that office. I was for many years, the only female. I was always the youngest person. So I always had to kind of have a shield, you know, and, and, and be a little bit less emotional than um, a little bigger, a little tougher, a little totally. And so and energy. I don't yeah, know. But I just couldn't help the tears. They just came, you know, I didn't even want to cry, yeah. but they came. And all I could say when he said that to me, I go, well, where does that leave me? That's my only job. And he said, well, you still have a job at Indie Fruit. Like we are not getting rid of you. Um, but we've prepared this letter and he slid it across the table and it was written by the general counsel of the company. And that's when I knew, oh my gosh, I'm at a huge crossroads in my life. There was literally two options, two pathways and it was a letter of intent that they wanted me to sign to say which pathway I was choosing. They want you to sign right there at Mesh on Mass Avenue. <laughs> no, they let me take it home. I had a, I had a, I had a grace period, but not even well lit in there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and so I'm reading it, and I'm just sitting here thinking, oh my word. Option one was we sunset the produce moms. Oh, and at the time it was the produce mom, but we sunset it. And, um, you know, it will no longer exist essentially. And you will go back to your job as a sales representative with sales representative pay. So it was like a pay cut and this entrepreneurial like vision that what I had started. What was your pay range in those times? I was like making $45,000 a year. Okay. And so when I, and that was when I was the marketing manager and to go back to the sales desk, I would have been taking a pay cut to about mm, $37,000 a year. Huh. And, um, I was just, you know, after 10 years of working for the company and, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. But that really wasn't that the money was not the reason. And we'll get to that too. The reason was who can, who can shove their entrepreneurial vision and dream into a closet, shut the door and walk away from it it's a highly emotional, almost impossible thing for people to do. You, it's easier for it to fail. I'm convinced versus have something that is, you know, growing and thriving and doing okay. Like we were breaking even mm -hmm. well option B was I could buy the produce mom and I could own it all. I could own the rights, wow. the IP $300,000. That's so more money. 45,000 a year. They yes. Would, you can buy it for 300,000. You've got little no money in the bank, no money. I mean, I had two kids. young kids and I was making 45 grand a year working my ass off, you know, like mm -hmm. I did not have extra capital sitting around. We had a home that was mortgaged. Like we weren't going to get approved for any sort of loan of that size, but I, what'd you do? I read those two options and I shoved the letter back at them and I said, I'm buying it. I would be a caged animal going back to the cubicle, but I'm going to have to talk to Chip. That's my husband because of the price. Mm -hmm. 
And then I left my boss walked me to my car and he said, are you okay? And I looked at him and I go, no, why would I be okay? You know? And, and today, I mean, those are, those guys are still some of my dearest friends, but they I signed, the price. did they negotiate? Was there, so any- it's, so you're going to love this it's too. It's not going to go so. too long. Is that like a whole, is that a whole diatribe? No, no, we can do it quickly. So I, I, it was hard to sit across the acquisition table from people who are your bosses, mentors, and friends for a six figure acquisition that you could not afford. And I was young. I was 30 at the t- 30, 31, 30 years old at the time. And, um, I very, knew very little about this. Like, I mean, I bought my home with my father holding my hand, you know, like I did not really know much about how to do a big purchase like this, especially alone. So I came home and it, this is very against, um, like I, I view myself as like a strong independent female, but I came home and I said, Chip, I need you to come with me to these meetings. Like, I can't do this alone. Like literally having three people on one side and me on the other, or some days there were even five people on that side. So he came and they had this big binder that had all of the, you know, all of the PLs, the IP, like all of the marketing order, like everything. Like it was, you know, a big five inch binder. And essentially it was the documentation to justify the 300K price tag. Got it. And, and there were walking through it and, you know, Chip shuts it. He's been in the meeting. This is his first meeting to attend. And he shuts the binder after maybe like 90 seconds of listening to them talk, shoves the binder across the table. Kind of, I felt like it was reminiscent of when I was just like, I just pushed that, you know, letter of intent across the table mash, but close the binder, shove it across the table, looks at my bosses and says, what if we pay you cash in 90 days? And I'm sitting here like, oh my God, like, where are we getting this cash? You know, Um, he's like, what's the price then? And so they slashed the price. It was still very expensive, $180,000, which was still more than our mortgage. And um, so we came home, but it was much more manageable. You know, it was like, okay, we can take this leap. You know, I cashed out my 401k. We borrowed money. Of course, we couldn't get a loan at a bank. So I had to borrow money from my family. Um, And then we made it happen. We closed with cash on August 31st, 2015, and the business became mine. And did you ever think, why don't I just start my own thing? Like, oh my God, did I ever, every person that asked me about it, they were, that was their number one piece of advice. Like, why don't you just do your own thing? And why? Cause you had started produce mom. I knew that the foundation was solid. You know, you think about these companies that we work with, you visit our website, you see these brands, we're talking big, big brands, the best leaders in the fruit and vegetable gl- global industry. And, um, think of how many blogs approach them wanting to hustle opportunities for partnerships or sponsored content or whatever you want to call it. Literally thousands per week especially at that time in 2015, which is like the height of the blogging craze. And so, you know what I did? I adopted the mindset because I had to shut off that noise. It was coming to me at every direction, even from my own family, the people who were providing us with the funds to um, make this acquisition. And I adopted the mentality and I still have this mentality today. I am so proud that my idea sold for that kind of money. Love it changed everything when I when I embraced that. It just changed everything. Okay, quick break to tell you guys about, oh my gosh, this has been like the best experience we have had in the building realm. And you guys know we have been building this house for, I don't know, has it been four years? We're kind of putting the finishing touches on it. And we realized when we got in, the laundry room needed a closet. So we tried to figure out, okay, where do we go from here? We tried to look up some stuff we could do ourselves, tried to hire somebody to do it individually. We came across closets by design and I am not kidding you. This is the coolest process. And it's almost like if I could reverse and do the whole house closets by design, I would. So what they do is they come up with a rendering of what you want it to look like. They look at, okay, what do you want to have here? How many drawers do you need? What stuff goes where? Where do you want to hang things? They look at every single need that you have and then they figure it out 
and give you a design beforehand, let you see the whole thing, 3D, you can change it a billion times over and over again if you need to. And then what comes out is this beautiful custom closet. So we've been working with the people here in Dallas. You've got, if you do it, you gotta call Gia. Gia is my girl. She's been coming over to the house. She comes in, she measures, she gets it done. She hugs the dog, she hugs Brighton. It is so much fun and it's just really been a, a wonderful process. So we had to give them a shout out. Again, it's Closets by Design. So you can uh, check out their website, closetsbydesign.com. Highly recommend Gia and let her know that we sent you. How are those relationships now, the people you borrowed from during that time, you know, when, when Chip made that? Yeah. Thing? I mean, so like in 2015 and even probably early 2016, because we closed in August 2015, um, it was like, I felt like we were getting broke, like it was a breakup and I was like the partner that didn't want the breakup. Like I felt cheated on or, or betrayed or whatever, fill in the blank with the adjective of your choice there. Like I did not want that. Um, and so I definitely had, I don't know, angst or anger, you know, probably anger was more than anything. Those were some long, hard days. The first year of owning that business. I mean, I had to negotiate even the laptop and the sale because I didn't have extra cash for anything, right. you know, and I would just be cold calling people all day long in the basement. And my kids were young and they would play in like, we had a playroom in the basement and then I would sit, I borrowed a desk. Home. Yes. I borrowed the desk from my Watch. aunt okay. and I negotiated the laptop and the acquisition and I just would cold call all day long, hoping that someone would take my call. And like, I just was kind of going through some of our PLs. I mean, like we didn't even have a hundred thousand dollars of revenue the first year I owned it. So, so stressing like, oh my gosh, I just paid hundred and eighty. Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, like the family, like how, how let's just talk about like borrowing money. Yeah. It's hard. From it's like, you family. know, I mean, it's, you see my Christmas and you're like, crap, do I get you a Christmas gift? Cause I owe you money. And like, should I be working? Like, that's what, I, you know, all of that, all of those emotions are real. Like you want to invite your family over for dinner. It's like, oh my God, they probably would rather me just write them a check, you know, that doesn't bounce <laughs> than and have them over for dinner. So the, all those emotions are very real. Um, I think just the best advice I have for anyone is just be honest with people. You know, I'll never forget. We went on, we joined my parents for a vacation and, um, or they joined us. I mean, it was a joint vacation with the boys yeah. and, um, and we were, I, I went with my dad to check out and my dad paid for our room. And I wasn't expecting that. My husband wasn't expecting that. Um, and he was like, no, he's like, you just, you keep your money and you, use it for other things. He was like, keep growing your business. Mm -hmm. And that moment was really, um, you know, it was, it, it stays with me. It will probably stay with me forever, especially, you know, after my father's death, it was like, you look back on your life with your loved ones and it's like, what stands out? Mm -hmm. And that was, a, that's one of those pinnacle moments for me was that checkout at the Hilton in Destin, Florida, when he was like, keep growing your business, save your money. And I was That's like, wow. Awesome. Yeah. So like my family knew that I was on, like, they knew that I was committed. They saw how hard I was working. Um, and, and they also saw how responsible I was being. I was not irresponsible by any means with how we were spending the cash for the business. I mean, obviously we were growing it and dot com media is just expensive. There's no way to, and you cannot, it's impossible to have all the skills that you need to run and grow your business. You have to invest whether it's in services or personnel, um, you have to be willing to make those investments. And I think that the, the entrepreneur bug is the, like, you're just comfortable and, you know, you're comfortable with just kind of figuring it out as you go. That's kind of the common thread or the, the entrepreneur bug that's within folks like us that just go for it, you know? And, and so how's so, it? Oh, go ahead. No, you're good. Go. So I'm curious how, so, so five years, you, you guys, I mean, I don't need to tell you guys, most things don't last five years. Um, right. We just made it through a year for five, six years, I guess. Now I'm like, I don't even know what year it is. Apparently we're in 2021. So <laughs> you're on year six, how is everything right. now as compared to 
It's amazing. I mean, we're growing, we're growing, we're on track to have our, we were on track to have our first million dollar year. Then COVID happened. Um, and we had to be extremely, we lost some business, you know, grow, the farming economy was turned upside down. They lost 50% of their clients with the shutdown of food service, travel, hospitality, et cetera. So that uh, the goal didn't happen, you know, when we were sitting down and planning budgets and I was pretty optimistic that 2020 was the year. I remain very optimistic that 2021 is that year where we will break the million dollar mark. Um, but I, you know, what, what some other metrics, you know, it's not all financial. It's some of the other no, metrics, it's, you know, it's amazing the growth that we have had with our audience. I mean, each and every month we reach at this point, including our co-branded consumer products that are distributed nationwide at grocery, retail, and produce departments, we are reaching over 8 million people per month with our ecosystem. And attracting to our website, we're, we're close to having around 100,000 unique monthly visitors to our website. These are statistics. When I bought the business, we didn't have 100,000 annual visitors. And now we're crushing that, you know, month after month. Um, and, and so those are the things that fuel me, that keep me going, seeing that audience growth. Um, and I knew that we were onto something about 2017 was when we started to get some real momentum behind what we were doing. I bought it in 2015. My only strategy was <laughs> for the first probably 15 months was don't go out of business, like figure out how to stay alive. And 2017 was when I really started to get visionary with like, okay, it's mine now. I own it. What really is this brand all about? Mm -hmm. And I mentioned previously in my remarks, I bought it and it started as the produce mom singular in 2017, we rebranded by simply adding that S, but it was so instrumental in, in, how, in setting that foundation and the culture for what this brand is all about. It is a community centric brand. It is meant to be an uplifting place where we, we are honest with all the other moms and people who are not moms alike that, you know, lean on us as a resource for fruits and vegetables. We are in this together. None of us, none of us are eating the recommended amounts. We can all do better. And I should that's say none. True, 10%, 10%. A lot of wine together and that's a lot of servings. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> a lot of serving. So okay, you're right. I, mean, I, I was going on this track of think of thinking, and now I'm still thinking about your family. I'm still thinking about okay, these people donated to Lori. They said they believed in her. Yeah. Lori said, "I'm going to use your money for." Have you been able to, like, pay everybody back, or like, how does that work? Yeah, because I don't have a retirement fund, so that's a big goal for 2021: is figure out how to get the retirement fund replenished. Um, in terms of the money that I received, it's that has all been taken care of. So um, that felt really good, right? I mean, like that was amazing to be able to be like, okay, I don't have to, I don't have to do that. I don't have that hanging over me. Um, but seed money, it's like, oh my gosh, like I will never forget that support, you know? Um, and it will feel really good to bootstrap my way back into a retirement fund too. I have, I have achieved a lot of success, um, personal success, personal, um, satisfaction as a female, as someone who didn't take a lick of a business course in college, um, or a marketing class or anything along those lines, like didn't grow up as a farmer, Spanish, Espanol. I, I, I did not think that this was what I was going to be. I don't know what I thought it was going to be, but I certainly didn't think this was part of it, but I'll tell you what, that second language has come in handy time and time again oh my gosh. with my, with my ability to connect with people through community events or the work that we do on the farm. So many of our farm workers are Spanish speaking, um, people. So it's been, it's been great to immediately connect with people. And it's like, you instantly build that trust when you can speak their language. So. Yeah. Gosh. And, and to reach those moms too. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. I, I hadn't thought about that. I didn't even know that that's what you studied. That's so yeah. interesting. I think that's just such a good example. You know, when I think about second shots, I'm like, okay, so going back, I'm going to guess you're glad that they did that that day, Lori, because I'm like, very glad that they did it. I'm glad that I paid that kind of money for it. I'm glad that they gave me two tough choices. And when I look at those tough choices, what I see, Jenny, is an easy choice, like an easy route. Like here's the, here's the easy route and here's the uphill battle. Um, 
and I picked the uphill battle and I What's would do it part of that uphill battle. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I, there's, there's been a lot of days where, well, you know, like for instance, I just shared something on my LinkedIn that a lot of people were surprised by. Um, I have been, I was invited to white house meetings two times to work on, um, you know, just policy, child nutrition policy. I do a lot of that as a professional, um, kind of in addition to the business. It's something that I do personally as a business industry professional. I'm a member of the United Fresh Produce Association and PAC. And um, I was at the White House for the first time invited. I couldn't afford a DC hotel. They're very expensive. Like if anyone's ever traveled to DC when Congress is in session, like you're talking Hawaii, like beachfront rates, like they're, they're very expensive. So I hit up a friend who lived in the DC area, stayed in their um, apartment at their, they had a, like a basement, like guest suite apartment. So I stayed there with them for free um, and walked to the convention sites, you know, and then also walked to like the buses that were taking us to the hill or um, to the White House, for instance. Well, the day I had the White House meeting, I had a two mile walk to the bus and it was like DC hot, which is like sticky, mucky, like awful, you know, no one in business attire. Yes. And so I was just casually texting with a friend. She knew that I was headed to the White House and She's like, are you so excited? I was like, I'm actually mostly just nervous. That I'm going to show up looking like a drowned rat. Like I'm, it's, I've got a two mile walk. I've got $17 in the business checking account and my household checking account has less than like 150 bucks in it. So I'm walking, I can't, you know, I got to save the 17 bucks I have to get me back to the airport um, to fly home. And she's like, oh my God. So she uh, Venmoed me money right away. She's like, please get in a Uber or a cab. Yeah. And so, yeah, but you know, moments like that, even though you look back on him, you're like, gosh, that was crazy. You know, um, it was, those are moments that frame the journey that, that, that foster that resiliency and that innovation that keeps entrepreneurship going. Um, so it's, you know, it's all hard. Nothing's easy. It's hard. It's hard knowing who to hire. It's hard when you have to let someone go from your team. I've had to do all those things. Um, it's hard when you have to look at your family and say, I can't pay myself. Um, so we're going to have to come together as a family, make it happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're, we're, we're going to have to live more frugally for the next, you know, month because I'm, I'm, my paychecks are not happening. Those are, those are hard moments. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, but it's definitely the reward. I still believe the reward is in the journey. Mm -hmm. You should love it. I know you love it. And I, mm -hmm. and I know you, you, uh, feel like great personal satisfaction, not only from the mission, because it's a mission minded, you know, venture that you're oh, doing, yeah. but also just through meeting the people that you meet and learning about business. I mean, you're, you're getting that real life experience. Um, have there ever been times when you've thought, Ew, should have gone to business school. Oh, I wish I grew up on a farm. Well, as funny as that is, I was actually in a meeting. Um, and it was actually when I was still employed, but I had transitioned to marketing manager and I was in a marketing meeting and everyone was throwing around these, num these, uh, acronyms. And one of them that they kept saying was ROI. And I'm like, what, what does that mean? Like I have, like, if I look in my old notebooks, like ROI is written like with a question mark. And so, yeah. And so I thought I need to take like marketing 101. So I took a marketing 101 class at IUPUI paid for it out of pocket. Like obviously didn't need it. I just was a return to school student and yeah. took marketing 101. And then I also, as I started doing more in media, and I found that people wanted to know more about the nutrition in their fruits and vegetables. I enrolled in nutrition 300 and I don't know how I got in. Cause I took no prerequisites. You were a mom who was trying to tell people to eat more fruits and veggies. Yeah. I didn't know about like what the natural source of vitamin K does for us. So I enrolled in this nutrition 300 and it was one of the most fascinating classes I had. And it was during that, during that class, and I think that I was just coming to it with a different mindset. Like I didn't need the class for my degree. Like I was just there to learn, you know? And um, 
And I also was investing a lot of money, you know, like $600 to be there. So I was paying attention and, um, but yeah, I learned so much when I went back and, and those were two things, like those were good, solid investments. So always, always invest in your knowledge. Always. And I mean, be an eternal learner. Don't be afraid to take the class. And there's so many options today. I mean, that was in 2016 when I did that, like today, I mean, you can even learn from something like masterclass online. Yeah. I think that's really good advice because I do think we have a different mindset, um, where we're going for just like, okay, I want to graduate with a good GPA and get a job as opposed to actually wanting the knowledge, which for some people, I do think that that natural thirst for knowledge happens in college. I do think it's a little more rare though. I, I do think that's a little more rare that somebody's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to find out the uses for vitamin K. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know? yeah, that was not my top priority when I was a college student at IU. I was like, okay, I'm here for Thursday through Saturday. That's why I'm here. <laughs> But I, do, I love that. I love that reminder. Um, so what's, what's next for your, first of all, tell everybody where you, where you are now, like where, where is the brand and what's next? Is there a next goal or a, you know, something you have on the horizon? Yeah. So, I mean, we're, I mean, the brand, you can connect with us anywhere, obviously. They're I mean, literally we're, anywhere. We're, yeah. Like any place where you connect with media online or on your phone, we're there. Um, but the biggest thing that I'm spending a lot of my bandwidth on right now, um, continuing to forge strategic partnerships with um, entities that are like-minded but not part of agriculture. So, like for instance, I had you know we we had a we have a great relationship with Nickelodeon, like-minded entity. I'm supporting them with understanding like, hey, you talk to more kids per day than any other brand or media outlet in the world. You should probably do a better job of promoting fruits and vegetables through your ecosystem. And, you know, so, and it's a great partnership. Like I'm learning a lot about, you know, how to connect with massive media companies. And um, it's it's been wonderful. How do you, you email Nickelodeon info at Nickelodeon.com? Like how do you. Oh geez, Jenny. (laughs) I was the queen of telling people like LinkedIn is your best friend when you are an entrepreneur, but I was the queen of telling people I'm going to be, and this was obviously pre COVID, but I'm going to be in New York. Like would you like to sit down for a desk site? I have other meetings. And then it's like, okay, yeah, we can meet with you, you know, this day or this day. And I'd give them like a whole week. I didn't have a plane ticket. I didn't have a hotel room. I was just praying that someone would say yes to the meeting. And, um, you know, but the other thing, and this is something really that everyone needs to remember as humans, I believe that we instinctively want to help. I think that most people want to help others. And so if you have a goal, or if you have something where you're like, I'm going to need some help, the best thing that you can do to reach that goal or get that help is to tell people in your circle, like, I have this goal. Can you help me get there? Mm-hmm. In my experiences, it's not even 99%. It's 100% of the time I have received help in reaching my goals. My network has, you know, my network, my friends, my, you know, people I went to college with, like, there's always someone who can help bust a door down for you or guide you in the right way to help you achieve your goals. And yeah, so that's been instrumental in my strategies too. Like, just be really honest with people. Don't be afraid to tell people like, I want to do this, but I don't know how. Yeah. I I love how open you are with that because I love when you guys, um, you know, if you follow Lori on LinkedIn or Facebook or, you know, any social media, yeah, you really open up about your struggles, which is what even just reminds me, oh, Hey, you know what? She would be a good second shot guest. I mean, it's just like, it's, that's such an important reminder. And I wanted to be, I can't forget to do our franchise questions since I told you guys, I was going to be going back to them and I'm dying to know what your answer to this one is Lori. If you got to choose, would you choose that life be fair or unfair? Unfair. And why? I know that that I know that that sounds dark. I'm no. an, I'm an eternal optimist, but I do think that life is meant to be worldly. Life is meant to have struggles. I do believe as someone who has struggled in all different senses of struggle, I have struggled financially. I have struggled through grief. I have struggled through body image. I've struggled in my relationship. I've struggled as a mom. I've struggled as, you know, a person who was doing a job where I didn't have the knowledge to do my job. Like I have struggled in all of those different aspects of my life. And, um, I think that the, I come back to what I said earlier, the, the reward is in the journey. And if life was just this fair, equal playing field, 
what kind of journey is that? Yeah. I think you know, I think hard. that we have to have those struggles. We have to have the unfairness and we have to, I love a diverse world. I love a world where I'm better at some things than my peer is. And my peer is better at some things than I am. I love that. I love the fact that like, when I look at those around me, I'm able to identify like, oh, they have a lot more in this area than I do. And it's almost like, and I think all women kind of struggle with this, but we got to check that jealousy. Yeah. You know, and, and, and embrace the joy, embrace the gratitude. Um, and, and when you do that, it opens up this whole new world of peace, inner peace, you know? Um, and so it's, I definitely think life on earth is meant to be unfair. Yeah. I, I, that, that mindset shift is good too, where you're looking at like, gosh, look at all these things I went through and look how strong I am from that. As opposed to, man, the world's beating me down. You know, you could have those same two paths and you could look at it either way. And, um, and one day's way is definitely more beneficial. Um, okay. Last little tidbit here, you guys, I am so mad. I have not been doing this question, but I'm glad I'm getting back on track with it, which it is. <laughs> Let's say, and I still think this could be a book. So this is a part of like putting things out there too. you know, all the second shot advice. What if, if I'm writing a book and I'm getting it out there to everybody in the world who needs a second shot, which is, mm-hmm. let's be honest, all of us, um, what's Lori Taylor's one line in the book? What is your one line, one sentence, what's one piece of advice for people who are, are looking for a second shot? Yep. So I, I have one. I'll read it to you first with, yeah. uh, but I want you to know this is a, this is an attribution. This is not a authentic quote of mine. No, um, we're taking attributions. Okay. Okay. Perfect. The quote is life fulfilling work is never about the money. When you feel true passion for something, you instinctively find ways to nurture it. It's a quote from Eileen Fisher, the women's clothing designer. And I so connect with that. When I bought the produce moms, when I had that horrible year where we didn't even, you know, sell a hundred thousand dollars, I, that was something I sell every day. I cut it out and I put it right on my laptop. Like I taped it on my laptop and I would, it was my, it was my reminder every single day. Life fulfilling work is never about the money. When you feel true passion for something, you instinctively find ways to nurture it. And still today, even with the growth and the success that we've had since those early days in 2015, when I took that second shot still today, that, that line is something that, um, gets, keeps me going and is proven true time and time again, you know, it it will, that line will level up with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really good because of course, at some points, yeah, you're making money. It's going to ebb and flow for everybody. And and so if you don't have that purpose behind it, I think that's where you fall off. It was like I said at the beginning, you know, I think so many times people quit when they're like 98% there and they never make it, but it's possible that they're quitting because they weren't, it wasn't that mission-minded focus to begin with and, and having that true, you know, love for, for what you're doing. Um, Lori, thank you. This has been so fun. I told you, I'd only keep you for half an hour. I fibbed. Um, did we go over? I didn't even realize it's been such an enjoyable conversation, but so wonderful to hear more about your story and so much of it. I, I knew, and then so much of it, I didn't. And I think even sometimes as a friend, I'm like, Oh, I wish I would have even known more of what was, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we gotta, we gotta we tell each other what's going on, you know, in our worlds and in our lives. Um, give a shout out to your podcast, tell everybody where they can find it. You guys, it's so, I know it's like for the industry, but it's good. I mean, I enjoy yeah, it. I mean, we, we, the reason that it's there is really for consumer transparency. I mean, we, we resource leaders through the global produce supply chain and help them explain things like, why is there plastic in the produce department? What are we doing to mitigate that? Um, why are, why do things like the misting systems exist in the produce department? So yeah, it is definitely a place, yeah, it's a place, place to go nerd out on about produce, but 
at the same time, it's an incredible place for you to get the facts about agriculture and the facts about fruits and vegetables. And for sure, we're always welcoming um, ideas, questions, guests. Like that's been a great way yeah. that we've built this podcast into what it is today. But yeah, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. Podcasts, like whatever you know, podcast platform you enjoy, we're on it. So the Produce Moms is the name of our podcast and really everything that we do. And if you see our products in the produce department, because we've just started doing co-branded product lines with some of our favorite growers in America. So if you see any of our products in the produce department, please pick those up, bring them home to your family and share with us on social media or send me an email. Uh, we would just love to love to hear your thoughts about how you're using our products, our platform, our podcast in your personal life. Okay. Now I'm dying to know why is, why is there plastic in produce? <laughs> why does that it's complicated. You know, it really is, but it, you got to think we have to have a packaging medium that holds up to cold, wet environments. Mm -hmm. And the government requires that so much be printed on our food packaging. Even on the bulk produce, you get those PLU stickers that have quite a bit of, you know, quite a oh. bit of content on them. Um, and so that's, those are all reasons why it exists. Um, also food safety. I mean, it's, it, that's a huge reason why less, less handling human handling. Most of your fruits and vegetables are hand picked or harvested. Um, they're hand sorted, they're hand packed. Uh, they're just too fragile as many of us can probably identify with. Like you can't really send strawberries down a conveyor belt and into like some automatic, um, sorting thing and expect them to not have extreme bruising. Right. Like, so, so much, there's a human element in so Fair. much of what we do. Yeah. But one way that we minimize handling is to put it in those plastic containers because consumers want to see it. We've tried the brown bag strategy. It didn't work. People didn't like it. And it was also very hard from an operational standpoint. The produce managers couldn't see if there was like a moldy berry in the, you know, in the package and to remove it. So it's, but one thing is for sure, the fresh produce industry as a whole is extremely committed to sustainability. I mean, you got to think the earth, we are the most connected to the earth of any agricultural product that's out there. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not throwing shade at yeah. produce. I was just but curious. I was like, yeah. I mean, we are leading, it's really fascinating because <laughs> we are leading yeah. the innovation and in, like new bipolymer, uh, biopolymer solutions. One of the potato growers we work with, they use potato starch to make their bags and that's how they, you know, they're not completely clear, but it's literally a bag made out of potato starch. <laughs> As a, a native Idahoan. That's right, girl. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, Lori, but the produce could be a whole nother podcast. Thank you yeah. so much for joining us. You guys, I will link up uh, her site on the show notes so you can check it out. Listen, Heath's not here, but if he was, he would shame you all into leaving a rating or review. We know yes. you're listening. We see you guys listening. You have to do it, you guys. It's so important <laughs> for people that are putting in the work to bring the show to you week after week. It, me it, it makes a huge difference in the way that podcast hosts like Jenny and Heath, myself, it, it, it empowers us to keep the shows going and yes. it's free. It's a very easy way for you to support. Yes. I'm not asking you to buy anything. Just leave a rating your review. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the show and we will chat with you next time. Bye.